You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Force Perspectives uh, for part four of our Obi-Wan Kenobi retrospective. I am your host, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, for our Obi-Wan Kenobi retrospective, my uh, my, my stalwart and steadfast co-host, uh, Marty Alleman. I Hello there. Marty, you and I, we just, we just didn't record a whole podcast. Now, not this podcast... Okay, so I want everybody to understand, not an episode of Force Perspectives. We didn't talk about Star Wars basically at all, but you and I have been on this call for like an hour. Yeah, hour more and than change. hour and change, <laughs> about an hour and 15, uh, and talked about a million other things. We talked about life, we talked about work, we talked about, uh, but then we got into The Flash, and at that point... I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Look, look, I know this is a Star Wars podcast and we're going to get into Star Wars in a second, but I have to take an opportunity with the platform that I have to warn everyone possible. Don't <laughs> Sorry, see this movie. Yeah. Don't see don't. this movie. And I'm not going to go into details or elaborate, but I like, like I did before recording, I did warn Marty, like, don't see this movie. Right. And I think I made a pretty good case for why you shouldn't see the flash. Right. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to get into details here. Um, I, yeah. um, I, full disclosure, the whole reason why we took a week off was because I took a week off of life, yeah. uh, went to, went to California, had some good times. And so I've had no time to actually go to the movies and, uh, I guess I dodged a bullet maybe by this and, yeah. uh, save some money. Didn't take the family out to see the flash and, um, oh, and like, definitely don't take kids to it. Definitely don't take kids to it because it is not, uh, it's not a kid friendly movie. And that's one thing that like, I have not heard a lot of people talk about kids under 10, not appropriate, not appropriate. There is, there is stuff towards the end of this movie that it's like, that's, it's not cool. Um, and again, I can't get into spoilers because I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but I, uh, that is actually going to go out to see it. And that, that isn't going to listen to me. Um, cause there are those people, but not appropriate for kids, man. Like, I'm so glad that I didn't take car to see this movie. Uh, yeah. Maybe I, especially if so, you have daughters, right. Don't take them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it. Yeah, it is. It's, it is not an appropriate film for kids. Um, yeah, don't see it. Don't see it. I, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what you do with your money instead. Just go see Spider Man again. Like, <laughs> come on, so that good. movie's fantastic. Just go see that again, or, or even like I don't know, go see that Transformers movie. Maybe I, it, I've heard that it's also very bad, but it's not this bad. Um, or just save your money. Or you know, there's some good movies coming out soon. So, 
Yeah, I'm kind of on a Indiana Jones kick right now, and I'm I don't care what anyone says about that movie. Um, that movie premiered in Cannes, and you know there was mixed reviews and whatnot. But uh, yeah. at least for me, I really don't care. I cannot wait, and I have my tickets ready for yeah uh, Thursday. So I can't. Yeah, wait. I we're, we're going we're going Friday at noon because <laughs> yes. um, we're taking Cara to go see it. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I Take my daughter too. I, I man, can't wait for that. Yeah, it's really um, fun. Yeah, and that one's like like that 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 now we're back on topic. We're talking about Indiana Jones. It's Lucas exactly. We're on topic. But I uh, yeah, I agree. Like the mixed reviews out of Khan were disappointing to say the least. Sorry. Um But uh, so I, I was a little crestfallen when when the bad reviews started cropping up. But then after the premiere, a bunch of people whose opinions I trust, who I value have said very positive things. Uh, some folks like, like uh, uh, there's a couple of people that I follow on Twitter that have seen it more than once and are like better the second time guys. So awesome. for me, it's like, I think we, I think we maybe mentioned this previously. I uh, like, like, I like kingdom of the crystal skull. Like I like it drags a little bit in the third act. It's it's, it gets a little bit long in the tooth, but overall I think it's a really good movie. I like what they did. Um, you can hear me talk a lot about that actually on the, the Indiana Jones, the Raiders of the Lost Ark perfect 10 episode that we just released. Uh, uh, me and Cheryl talking about that. Cheryl, who's like the biggest Indiana Jones fan that I know, oh, which is saying a lot. Cause like, I'm a pretty big indie fan. You're a pretty big indie fan, right? Like we know some people who are pretty big indie fans, but Cheryl is like, she's a, she is obsessed with, with Indiana Jones. Um, so I, so we did an episode of perfect 10 about Raiders sort of in the lead up to, to, to dial of destiny. And, uh, but yeah, I like people whose opinions I value, are saying that it's a good movie. So I'm back on the, I'm back on the hype train of like, okay, well then hopefully I enjoy it. I think we're going to enjoy it. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm very excited for Friday to see this movie. I, uh, I, and, uh, and we'll report back. We'll report back on, on our part five episode. We'll, we'll, which is, which is fitting. Cause we'll talk about part five of Obi-Wan, but we'll also Aww. talk about Indiana Jones five. I, I that'll work. Um, <laughs> But I, I, that's enough about indie for now. That's a, no more about the flash ever again. Just don't go, don't do not see that movie. But I, <laughs> I, what we are going to talk about is the fact that, um, sort of fortuitously as we're in the middle of our Obi-Wan retrospective, uh, Marvel and Disney have announced that they're doing an Obi-Wan Kenobi comic book that basically like retells the story of, the of, of the obi-wan kenobi series but that there will be like some sort of additional stuff in it so yeah um just got yeah, it, a couple days ago right yeah yeah and it's, so it's going to be a six issue mini series written by jody hauser with pencils from salvador la roca uh jody hauser i uh, which when we get into the episode we'll talk about it like i i, I or not this episode jody hauser was one of the writers on the show though wasn't she uh, yeah, I be- I do believe she was on this episode. Let me yeah, uh, I th- fact check that I th- now. Maybe it was last week's episode. It, it, it might have been the last episode that she was, because I don't see her on this one when I look at IMDb. Oh, okay. but, interesting, because um, I could have sworn I saw her name today. But yeah, but uh, but Salvador La Roca on 
on uh, uh, on pencils, like, come on, Salvador Baroque is one of the best artists in comics. So right. uh, this is actually like this is one that I'm very excited about. Um, I probably won't pick it up in issues. I'll wait for like a hardcover uh, trade paperback, but well, I guess it won't be a trade paperback, but like the hardcover graphic novel um, of the six issues. Uh, but I, uh, but I will definitely be checking this out um, uh, at some point. Uh, yeah. And there's, I think that there's maybe, are these covers by, there's a bunch of covers. I think at least one of these is by Phil. Yeah. One of them's by Phil Noto who uh phil noto awesome stuff awesome awesome stuff yeah they're gorgeous um, his work on uh on the poe dameron series so oh, good i love the poe dameron um, series. but yeah like these are there are some beautiful beautiful covers uh, uh that they've shown off so far and 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 i saw an interior earlier today um one of the pages that basically like r- there were no word bubbles on it. There was no writing on it. It was just the art, but it's sort of uh, recapping what happens in star Wars rebels between Obi-Wan and Maul. So I uh, like that sold me. I was, cause at first I was kind of like, is, do we really need this? Do we need an, do we need an adaptation of the Disney plus series? But then it was like, Oh, Oh, they're going to, they're going to go like the extra mile. Like they're going to add some stuff in. Um, so it's like a live action, adaptation i mean it's a comic book right so it's art but it's like a but it's in the style of live action uh showing us what happened in star wars rebels so i gotta find and it'll and we'll get some inner monologue obviously of obi-wan and some insight into into what was going on in his head when that happened so like that's it that's all i needed that's all i needed i'm in i'm in but as i've talked about on many a podcast that is my favorite fight in all of star Wars. Like that's my favorite lightsaber battle in all of star Wars. It is bar none, like the best. The number two would be empire Luke and Vader. And it like, for me, it's a, it's a distant second. So that tells you what I'm talking about here. Um, I know everybody else goes to the prequels, right? Everybody else goes to like the fancy fighting for me. It's like, if you can't tell it is about, the emotional content, right? Like that's like lightsaber duels first and foremost are about the conflict between two characters, whether or not they can flip those lightsabers around like crazy irrelevant to me, irrelevant. A lightsaber is cool enough on its own. Cause yeah, like for me, it's like, like I can tell you right now, my top five is like rebels, Obi-Wan versus Maul, right? Empire Luke versus Vader. And then Return of the Jedi, Luke versus Vader, uh, and then Obi Wan and and Vader on the Death Star, and then Obi Wan and Vader in Obi Wan. Like that's like that's my top five. Um, like the prequels don't even enter into it, <laughs> unless you unless you want to sort of count the 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 Vader and Obi Wan duel in in Obi Wan. But um, uh, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an OT lightsaber duelist uh purist i guess a lightsaber duel purist um i like duelist purist actually That's, duelist purist yeah the, I, like the doublest. Um, I love the prequels and i love the clone wars and i love so many of those fights um i mean like the fight between maul and ahsoka in season seven of clone wars is incredible 
It's incredible. But again, like, see, I catch myself because I'm like, it's such a good fight. And I'm like, well, why is it such a good fight? It's such a good fight because of the emotional content of it, right? Because of the like, the scene I know what Palpatine is doing. If you join me, we can defeat him together, right? Like, that's why I love that fight. Not because of the choreography. The choreography is phenomenal, right? But like any franchise, any story can have a, a cool sword fight. Right. Like, here's a great example. The sword fight at the end of Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it's two. Right. Is the one where they're in like the wheel and they're fighting or whatever. Right. Amazing choreography. At that point in that movie, I do not care about any of the characters anymore. Like that movie's that movie is so bad. Those that one and three are like so bad that like they just I totally lose any love that I have for the characters over the course of those films because there's, it's just so long. And that by the time that they're having this, this awesome choreographed duel, it's like, I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care about any of this. So it doesn't matter how good your choreography is. If I don't care about your characters, it doesn't matter. Um, all of that to say that I'm excited about this comic book. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm excited. I, I haven't uh, picked up any of the, uh, uh, retellings or the, um, what what are these called? Um, just uh, uh, like adaptations. Right? Adaptations. I couldn't get the word out. Yeah. Um, I uh, I picked up. Uh, I remember Rogue One, and that was pretty cool because it actually had uh, some some you know additional material. I am, but uh, I never picked up like any of the other ones uh, after that. And I knew that the Mandalorian ones were coming out, and um, those looked uh, interesting. But I never again. Basically, after my second daughter was born, I stopped buying comics. <laughs> oh, dude, um, <laughs> I didn't stop buying comics, but I haven't read any of them. And I just have stacks all over my house of like, and I'll, I'll get I'll get motivated every once in a while. And it'll be like, and I'll go through like three volumes of Ninja Turtles in like a weekend or right. something. Like I, I did that a little while ago and I was like, oh, cool. I'm like back into reading comics. And then life got busy again and i'm like i have a stack of six volumes of ninja turtles that i need to get through um and there's more that have come out that i haven't picked up yet but that are sitting in my saver at my comic shop um oh yeah Uh, and then like i i give marvel unlimited their money every year i give them i i i i I throw the i don't know it's like 80 dollars canadian or something like that (laughs) um and then like and then like i don't read anything (laughs) But they're there and I know that they're there and I have and there's comfort in the fact that like all of those Star Wars comics and all of those Spider-Man and X-Men comics are there. And then every once in a while, again, I will get motivated and all, and I read through all of um, the X-Men house and powers of X in like a weekend. Right. right. Like <laughs> it's so I don't know. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a terrible I'm a terrible comics reader these days, but uh, I it's the worst thing is that I've got American born Chinese sitting on my desk. I can see it right now and it's sitting at the bottom of the stack and it shouldn't, it should be at the top of the stack because I really want to watch the show, but I want to read the book before I watch the show. So I haven't started watching it yet, which is terrible because like then Disney plus is going to be like, Oh, we should, we should just remove this from the service. So I need to get, I need to read that. And then I need to watch the show because apparently the show is fantastic. Yeah, I got to check that out. So, you know, I um, I got to a point for me that uh, I really uh, started uh, getting. I got a, started getting phone calls from my comic book shop saying like, "Hey, your pull box is kind of full. Are you going to come over here and pick this <laughs> yeah, up?" Yeah, yeah. And it got to the point where I'm just like, uh, and then you know, to be honest, like a couple of my guys that you know used to work there for like ten years, they quit and everything. So I was just like, "All right, well, I think I'm. It's an end of an era for me. I should, think I should just yeah." 
uh, cash tap my out. chips, <laughs> you know, tap yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Com- comic books, comic books are a hard thing. As I, <laughs> I just want to assure everybody. I, yes, I have Marvel Unlimited for Marvel comics because there are just like there are too many, um, and sticking with series with Marvel is just a, a surefire way to get burned. Um, but I still get plenty of physical comics from my local comic shop because everybody should support their local comic shop if you can financially. Um, uh, so uh, there are actually a lot of instances where if I really like something that I read on Marvel Unlimited, I go and I, and I buy like a hardcover of it, especially with the Star Wars stuff. Um, so that's just, uh, that's just my PSA for, for, um, comic shops and comic shop owners. I just want to make sure that everybody knows I am not advocating for going fully digital. I, it's, it's not good for the industry as you need to support local comic shops. Uh, and the other part is like, you want to know what the good stuff is. The app isn't going to tell you what the good stuff is. The app treats everything the same. Uh, it, no matter if it's a piece of trash or if it's the best comic run you've ever read in your life. But if you walk into a comic shop, there is probably someone there there should if it's a good comic shop there should be someone there that will steer you in the right direction that will learn your taste and will give you great recommendations and that is the benefit to a local comic shop so go pick up your comics at a local comic shop as i say like i'm gonna i'll get the hardcover of this uh obi-wan series um if if one becomes available or i'll get the trade paperback if that's the only option but um, but I'm hoping that there's a hardcover because I've got that Kane and Jarrus one, the hardcover for that. And, and an Obi-Wan Kenobi one will look really great right next to it. I haven't, I've been on the hunt to try and track down Poe Dameron, but um, like you know, all my, all my favorites uh, uh, runs in, in hardcover, but, uh, uh, but yeah, support your local comic shop Always. if you can. Uh, I, it's more expensive than getting comics other ways, but, uh, but you know it's worth it um you want to get into obi-wan you want to get into part four let's do it okay cool i uh, part four directed once again by deborah chow uh written by joby harold uh, hannah friedman and uh, george lucas is 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 credited here on the imdb like top line uh which yeah, is always but... like it's characters and story created by george lucas but uh yeah um when we last left our our characters, Obi Wan was raked across the coals, quite literally, uh, and uh, and Leia was captured by Riva, and um, so we uh, we start with Obi Wan sort of in transit to to Jabim to be uh, dunked in the dunked in the tank. We were wrong. We 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 were like, oh, is this week the the flashback? when he's in the back to tank, we said that on the last episode, we were wrong. The beginning of the next episode is the flashback is the episode two flashback, the flashback with uh, him and Anakin that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I, uh, again, it's been a year. So it's like, you kind of combine these in your head where you, yeah. Yeah. No, he goes in the back to tank. So I knew he goes in the back to tank in this episode, but the actual flashback happens in episode uh, five. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he does go in the back to tank and we do get voiceover flashbacks of episode three and of what happened in, in the previous episode, we get sort of a, a few snippets of dialogue uh, as Obi-Wan is healing. 
So both episodes threes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, uh, but yeah, so then he, he pops out of the tank and is like, where's Leia? And then we cut to Leia who is being held in the fortress inquisitorious by Riva. And uh, I, Riva wants to know where they were going. And Leia won't won't give her any information. Uh, I love it. I love the beginning of that that scene when it's like, I, uh, you can't hold me here. I'm the I'm a princess of Alderaan. All of that is so like very Leia stuff. It's so good. It's very I uh, I you know the imperial the imperial senate will not sit still for this right. Like it's that same that same attitude that she has in A New Hope. I love it. I, every yeah, every chance that Vivian Lyra Blair has to embody um that character she just nails it she does such a good job it i don't know man like like people who had anything negative to say about this show back when it was airing or like still like do at this point like i just i can't understand them like we are not we do not come from the same planet because for me it's like carrie fisher was we talked about this i think in the first episode right Carrie Fisher was a singular human being like that, that, that I don't think that we'll ever see the likes of again on this planet. She was so amazing, such an incredible person. And so much of that came through in Leia. And somehow this, this kid, this small child just absolutely nails it. Every time she's so good. There's not a scene in the show that I go like, man, you know, a kid actor or whatever. Right. Like there, I mean, like, there are definitely moments of like, of like, you know, that, that dialogue is a little bit, a little bit clunky or whatever, but it's, it's never enough. Like it's never at the level to like take you out of it. It's never, it's always, you're just like, well, she's a 10 year old, right? Like, like some of the things that she's saying are ridiculous things for a 10 year old to say. Um, and so it works for me right. uh, that like, that's my perspective. But yeah. I, yeah, like, like there are people out there who like have negative things to say about this performance. And I cannot understand that because she's just so, so good. I'm just, I'm always, every time I watch the show, I'm just blown away with how good she is as this character. And I really, really, really want them to tell more, Leia stories with her um especially like as she gets older we get to we we can play with that even more so I, I really hope that Lucasfilm is paying attention to the fans that loved the show and want to see more of that because she Vivian Lara Blair has recently said that like she would really like to do it I mean why wouldn't she right but totally yeah she's she's a force to be reckoned with for sure yeah. um like you said, I, I don't feel that that knee jerk kind of reaction to when a kid actor usually appears on screen. You know, I, I believe every moment she's in um, that that princess line, it it has that that it's I actually love the line because it has that moment where like, you know, yeah, yeah every, you know, 10 year old, you know, girl is a princess, you know, right. Mm -hmm. But uh just the way she delivers it, it's just like, yeah, no, yeah, she, she is a princess and, you know, you have her held captive and uh, just her, she's just so strong in these moments. And, you know, we only have so many finite years that she could, uh, 
you know, play this character. I mean, she could of, of course move on to, you know, if the, we were to ever keep her, you know, past like, you know, the age of 19, you know, where Carrie Fisher, you know, took the role, but, um, yeah. no, yeah, I would love to see her in other projects. There's always a part of me that just wants to have them do kind of like a live action version of like, a not necessarily tales of the Jedi, but kind of an anthology kind of show where it's just star Wars mm-hmm. stories, not necessarily in any particular order, but they're just uh, almost like, you know, going the Lucas way of telling stories where they're like, quote unquote, tone poems, you know, of, you know, of a character going through a struggle and then learning a lesson from that. And um, so I, I think she can pull that off, to be honest. I think it'd be fantastic and everything. But um, yeah, overall, this episode, I mean, the way it starts off with uh, going back to Obi-Wan of the tank, the, the just the cross cutting. Uh, I love how they completely uh, take advantage of just modern editing techniques in this show overall um Mm -hmm. but uh, they're definitely cross-cutting between uh it's just they're they're one and the same it's like they cannot uh like what what i mean by they is um vader and obi-wan it's like once they've had that connection it's like now they feel each other especially when they're submerged in you know similar you know back to tanks and whatnot and just the cross-cutting where you see you know the camera angle tilting down from the show, uh, uh, Anakin's shoulder, and you see like the severed arm is not there, and then it cuts to Obi Wan's hand. It's just moments like that are just fantastic for me, and um, it really sets the stage for basically what's kind of like the middle of this series, where now we're starting the next kind of trilogy of these episodes. Uh, this mm-hmm. is the new arc of the show moving forward, and uh, kind of like what I said last episode, this is the have kind of dubbed it the obi-wan colon a new hope episode because you know we're dealing with uh leia getting rescued uh kenobi is you know they had these like moments where they're very similar to the original film uh kind of the same kind of nuances like with you know kenobi distracting stormtroopers and you know you have even like subtle like shots where like when uh tala is getting um there there's that uh officer that uh, pulls her aside and there's that quick calm leak shot where you know it's almost the uh the same moment as like uh 3po where could he be you know shot from the original film it's just mm-hmm. i love those little subtle nods to it but um so yeah um overall getting the story kicked off it's uh pretty awesome and um i think uh after this we get into uh the planning right we get you know obi-wan he gets out of yeah. the back to tank and then we start you know getting what the mission is right yeah, and we see him back in the Jedi robes, the the borrowed Jedi robes, um, and uh, and yeah, and he sort of starts pleading with uh, with uh, oh man, I can't remember the character's name, Roken, um, Roken, I I of like I we I have to go save Leia, right? Um, and he and he does eventually sort of uh, appeal to his uh, uh, to his conscience. And and so Roken very reluctantly, but but in a very like he's a very heroic character. I, I, I like Roken a lot, actually. I'd like to see him in more stories, but uh, he uh, he's like, all right, let's go. Like, let's do it. Um, he he, tur- he did a quick turn. Like, I, I remember it the first time I saw it. And then did that uh, not necessarily I don't know if bump is the right word, but like did that mm-hmm. like uh, did you focus on that a little bit when he like says like, no, we're not going to do it all right, we're going to do it. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he's, it's, I think that Obi-Wan was like, Obi-Wan's the negotiator, right? He's, he, this, this is one of the things that he's good at. He recognizes immediately that 
Roken has a reason for being involved. Everybody in the path has a reason for being involved. And so he appeals to it of like, cause like the first thing that Roken says is like, listen, like he's, he's like, I need help. And he's like, yeah, you and every kid who can float a rock from here to Coruscant. Right. And so like, there's like, that's a very like practical thing of like, he's like, we're trying to run this network. There are a lot of people in need. And then, and then Obi-Wan sort of appeals to him. I think, I think he sort of just gets that. Like there's a personal story that you, you know, like you're, you're, this is a front. Right. And so he appeals to like the, his conscience. It's a good person. So he's like, you know, this is, this is what's at stake here. Right. Without revealing what's truly at stake. And that's, that's always like the fine line that, uh, that, that, that Obi-Wan has to walk with this stuff is like, it's not that she's important to me. She is, but she's important to the fate of the entire galaxy. Um, and like, he sort of manages to say that without saying that by making it personal about sort of his story and, and, and hers. And then broken turns around and he's like, and he tells the story about his wife and he's like, let's go. Right. So it's like, it's Obi-Wan, I think reminds him of, why he's doing it and in that in that process he there wasn't much to flip right like it didn't it didn't take a lot because it why would it take a lot right the second like this is we're talking about obi-wan kenobi and he's on a mission and he needs your help right Right. so i think that like when roken first comes in it's like it's it's a little bit of the lady doth protest too much of like he's he's being that forceful because he's trying really hard not to be he doesn't want to like he's like we have we do have things that we're doing we have things that are in process and the things that are important but i know that like i know this guy is gonna ask me i know this famous jedi and and i personally get the sense that like Quinlan did this to him too, right? Like, like every time, every time one of these Jedi rolls through, he's got this smooth operation going, no problems. Every time one of these damn Jedi walks in, everything goes a, like, like, like it goes crazy. Like it goes off the rails instantly. The second an actual Jedi shows up, right? We're trying to save these four sensitive kids from being murdered just for being who they are. Right. But every time, like, I, I don't know. I just, I think there's more story there. I, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if like Quinlan also like similarly came in and was like, listen, I got this kid and I got to And he's like, yeah, every kid is special though. And it's like, yeah, but this kid's like, I'm Quinlan Voss and I wouldn't be doing this if it weren't like super important. <laughs> right. So. Uh, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, but I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. My mission is actually like, like, like what I'm doing could actually save all of the kids in the whole galaxy. So like, I need your help saving this one kid. Cause it's that important. Right. So I don't know. That's kind of, this is kind of the way that I read it. So yeah, it is a little bit of like a, like a real quick one eighty, but it's also, you deal. you're talking about the negotiator. This is what he does. You know? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because um, what's also kind of alluded to, and even though um, 
we all know that, you know, she's force sensitive, but it's almost like that's what he, that's kind of the card he's playing at, you know, like that's the reason, mm-hmm. that's the reason why she's quote unquote special. So like, that's why you're, she, you know, without telling him who she actually is and everything while you were talking, I just had an amazing Disney plus pitch and I just came, popped in my head that show that Vivian Lair Blair can come, you know, kind of pop in and out of, can we just have a, Disney Plus show Star Wars The Path where we have Roken in it and we have our Jason Momoa as Quinlan coming in there and we have that dynamic and wouldn't that be amazing? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Can that happen? I just want that to happen now. <laughs> totally. Totally. That would yeah, that would be a, that would be the perfect way to do it, right? I don't know. I I think I think eventually we'll get stories with the path, uh more stories with the path, I should say. Um but uh, I I think that they're just kind of like trying to figure that out. So, uh, no, but as we've talked about multiple times now on this podcast, like a, a show with Quinlan would be fantastic. Um, and yeah, we just got to get Jason Momoa to sign on. I don't know. The, the DC Universe tanks. He doesn't have Aquaman to play anymore. So he'll need a new franchise. I, I, I can write it. If Lucasfilm's looking for somebody, I, I could write you a Quinlan. Quinlan's not my favorite character. Obviously, Obi-Wan is my favorite character. But, uh, and I mean, like, I'll write you the season two of Obi-Wan with Obi-Wan and Quinlan. I'll do that for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I could do that. I can, that story is inside me somewhere. Um, I, I don't know if Disney's ready for it, though, because there might be too many sort of, uh, uh, the 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 shipper fanfic in me might start to come out a little bit too much. There's a little bit too much sexual tension between those two, but um, I uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, we'll get way off tangent if I feel any. <laughs> Sorry, but but yeah, I would love to see that. Um, we we'll talk about the fortress and oh, quizzes. Yeah, we we flip back to the fortress and we get the thing of like I I. Riva is trying to interrogate Leia and she's just like, is this a staring contest? I love it. It's so good. She's so good. She's just like, I'm, I'm sorry. Are you doing answer. something? Cause Riva's doing the Kylo Ren, uh, uh, mind, uh, power thing that she did to, she did it to, to, um, I, 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 Haja in the in the last in the last episode the one before the uh, two episodes ago episode the second three, episode yeah. uh yeah and uh so we know that she can do it and she's trying to do it to leia and leia's just resisting her and like with no effort i think is the is the best part of it is that it's like like listen this kid's this kid is is one of the chosen ones <laughs> like like back off you can't uh you, you can't you can't mess with her um but I love it. I love that it's like just we like. There's no explanation. There's no like, uh, uh, ex- exposition to be like, oh, you're you know, you're untrained, but you're able to blah 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 blah. And it's like no, it's she's just she's Leia. We don't need an explanation for this. It's all the only thing that gets said is like you're you're strong. That's, I think that's what Riva says. Is just like you're strong. She doesn't even say you're strong in the force. She just says you're strong. Um. And it's kind of like, and then she changes her tactics a little bit. Um, Reva's all over the place in this episode, and I actually really like it. 
Um, this was another one of those places where people criticized the character and they were like, she's so inconsistent. And I was like, she's not inconsistent. She's unhinged. She is out of control, right? She's a lot like Kylo Ren, a lot like Kylo Ren in that, like, she is not a bad person. She is not a bad guy. She has been put into a bad situation and manipulated by the wrong people into thinking that this is her only option that this is her only choice. Right. Mm -hmm. But her, her inner conflict is telling her the whole time you're doing the wrong thing. So the way she flips back and forth in this episode between the good cop and the bad cop, like she plays both roles, right. I think is literally both aspects of her, the Jedi and the inquisitor fighting with each other. Um, and she's a lot like Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. She's really, really fighting hard to suppress the light side. But it is a it is a temptation. And eventually she'll succumb to it, right? Like I and I love that I love that the Force Awakens gave us that perspective of a dark side user being tempted by the light. Um, as opposed to the other way around, which is is so much the uh uh, like that's such a straightforward way of talking about the force, but then to subvert it and be like, yeah, but here's a, here's a, 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 a Sith or a Knight of Ren or whatever, or an inquisitor that um is, is wants to live in the dark side, wants to live in the darkness, but is actually a very good person underneath. And that tendency doesn't go away. Right. Light always wins. It always wins out. And balance isn't about the light and the dark being equal. Balance is like balance in the universe is harmony. And it's it's. um, The dark side isn't always malicious intent. Right. Like like when we talk about it in The Last Jedi, when Luke explains it and he's like, you know, death that brings new life. Right. Like it's it's, you know, the it's the circle of life sort of conversation of like, well, the lions eat the antelope, but then the lions die and feed the grass and the grass grows and the antelopes eat the grass and then the lion eats the antelope. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's like there's like that. That is the light side and the dark side, life and death. The problem is that the Sith manipulate the dark side to gain control and power which is not something that they should have. The Jedi seek to, I mean, when, when a Jedi is in balance with the force, when you get one like Qui-Gon, they seek to live in harmony with that life and death are irrelevant. Right. I, I, we've also got some examples of Jedi in the Jedi council. I, I, during the fall of the Republic that, honestly like they have dark side ambition for the right reason but but absolutely absolutely mace windu tries to maintain control over the jedi order right even yoda falls into that trap quite a few times over the course of of the prequels and the clone wars it's a whole thing Mm -hmm. where it's like like that is the temptation of the dark side and that's I mean, this is why he's called Darth Sidious, 
because that is the insidious nature of it is that it like it infects the Jedi order through their altruism. They want to protect the galaxy. And in that it's, it's, it's really similar to, to, um, to Tony Stark storyline in the MCU of like in that, in that effort to protect, they end up trying to control and control is a path to the dark side. That's one of like, that's, that is one of the, the, the tenets of the Sith code, right. Is, is like that control is what allows them to, to wield the dark side and break their chains and be free. Right. It's very, <laughs> the, the Sith code is very libertarian. And I th- always find that immensely humorous <laughs> that they're like, this is about freedom. It's about Liberty. And no, it's not. It's about control and power. It all, it always is. That's what it always comes back to. Um, and the Jedi wanted that just as much like the Jedi of the old Republic wanted that just as much as the Sith. They just wanted to be the ones in control and with power. And they wanted to do it in order to maintain peace and justice in the galaxy. But like, what's justice, (laughs) right? Like the natural order isn't always just, and it's definitely not always peaceful. So the Jedi is like, we're the, the keepers of peace and justice in the old Republic. It's like, what does that mean? You're space cops. And what do we say about cops? You know, it's a, there's a lot of stuff going on here. What am I talking about at this point? I don't know. We were talking about Riva and the light and the dark inside of her. Um, I was going to say that um, what I love is that uh, uh, at least the first time, I believe, where uh, she's trying to interrogate her, uh, she <clears> tries <throat> to uh, engage with her uh, by using fear. And fear and losing Obi Wan and telling her that uh, he died in the fire. Yeah, and uh, Leia still doesn't waver. She she stays true and doesn't give into that fear. And then she's rewarded later on in the episode when obviously he rescues her. So uh, I thought that was a uh, interesting. That was actually part of, part of my favorite uh, mo- moment in the um, in their back and forth um, mm. moments in the episodes. Um, I, I do I love that uh, going back to that. Uh, uh, staring contest line that was great too um but uh yeah overall um don't give in to fear guys yeah <laughs> um the episode cuts back and forth so many times that it's hard to track what happens where but uh, at some point reva i uh, leia tries to use lola in some way she's sort of planning her escape and mm-hmm. reva catches wind of this and takes lola which will be important later, but um, Obi-Wan and Tala hatch a plan to get into the fortress. And I, I, so they've got this whole thing worked out with, uh, with some of Roken's people. And uh, so Tala goes in uh, through security or whatever. And we've got that great scene of, uh, you know, whether or not her clearance is going to, going to check out and the security officer comes over and is like oh i'm in charge of security and they have their whole their whole back and forth which is a really good scene and then tala is in like the control room thing uh talking to obi-wan talking him through stuff and he i love the the we get the 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 aqua rebreather thing and him swimming down very very much a callback to the phantom menace 
Um, but well, uh, it feels like that's a very unique you and McGregor Obi Wan thing that uh, it happened in Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith, and it's like he has yeah. to have that breather in some form or another in this show, and he got it back, which is pretty cool. But um, and that yeah. swimming, he, there's there is something about his motion specifically that it's like i don't know i think i could pick out obi-wan from another jedi swimming in those robes <laughs> uh no, I never just got like i he's just got like this great form to his to his swim um that is in all three of those examples right uh but he busts in and then he and then he murders a stormtrooper because <laughs> oh, yeah. he like he knocks that guy out and then leaves him face down in the water <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like that's a little harsh obi uh uh we're we're yeah i mean like i know he's a stormtrooper but like these guys are just enlisted soldiers they don't really know what they're doing i guess they're they're they are the baddies though but yeah they um, uh, get taken care of pretty quickly in that, yeah, uh, scene. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but i uh, i tala tala's cover is almost blown but then she manages it and you know, like there's sort of walking him through. Uh, it's getting him to to where they're gonna have Leia. And then, and then uh, oh, sorry. So go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. I was gonna say, um, this is around the time where uh, it gets uh, revealed to what is actually being held at the Fortress Inquisitorius behind those yeah. red Imperial insignias. I didn't know if you're gonna go down that path, but uh, yeah, um, we see. Um, presumably I, I there's definitely some jedi uh, just by identifying there's um but the, upon watching it again because again you know you get that perspective of actually seeing the entire show uh, maybe some of these uh you know, could think maybe in a flashback you'd see some of these other faces pop up and everything but uh you're to my eyes you really only get to see for sure two actual jedi and that the first one is obviously Terra Sanube and a young yeah. one um, the other yeah. characters, they could be force wielders. I'm not saying that they couldn't be, but they're not that clear to me uh, this time around. What did you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I think I, it's definitely um, playing into the idea that like the Inquisitors are not just hunting down Jedi, but like any force sensitives, right? And and I think like the I think what happens is that these the Jedi and force sensitives get brought back to the fortress, and then it's like, well, can we break them? Can we make them inquisitors or, right. and when they're not, when, when you're not able to, then they end up, they end up entombed right in this, in this Amber. Uh, right. It's I, what is unclear to me is, are those people dead or are they in suspended animation? Right. True. Um, yeah, and like that is, that is a very interesting question. I, uh, it's been a while. Fallen Order's been out for a really long time. If you haven't played Fallen Order, you don't know the story. Sorry, I'm going to spoil a little bit. That's Parts of the Fortress get destroyed in that game. Yeah. And knowing now that there are like... And like we knew that there that it was a prison. Like that there was a prison level because there, you go through the prison level in that game. That is the first time the Fortress shows up, by the way. Uh, is in um, Fallen Order, right? It doesn't show up in Rebels. We never no. go to the Fortress Inquisitorius in Rebels. Um, uh, we go to Mustafar, but in orbit. Um, in the season yeah. one, um, 
finale. Jeez, I couldn't get that word out. Season one finale, um, we're on a Star Destroyer, and that's where the Grand Inquisitor, spoiler alert, meets his demise, officially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. in reality, yeah. In reality. A few years from this. I, yeah, so I, I, like this puts that in context you're like oh i hope that that i hope that either they are dead <laughs> i don't hope that they're dead but i hope that they're not still alive because if then because then when part of the the fortress gets destroyed potentially some of them get killed um but uh yeah it's an interesting thing it's very unclear it's it's left very i think intentionally vague i think it's one of those things where we're meant to sort of look at it and maybe interpret a little bit i I like it when Star Wars does not spell everything out. Um, I don't like it when they leave important pieces of plot on the table. Uh, but this is not an important piece of plot. This is this is a subplot. This is like a piece of window dressing all along the way to the actual plot. So for me, it's like I, I, I think it's really good the way that they handle this. Because um, it gives us just enough that we go like, okay what are they, what are these people here for? Like what's going on? Um, and I could see them coming back to this later on and it being like, well, like this was all like they, they, they were being kept in suspended animation because Palpatine is doing all sorts of experiments with the force and cloning and midichlorians and, genetics and whatnot right so he needs test subjects and he needs samples and i yeah there's a there's a like a possibility that you know like maybe grogu was in like the fortress at one point you know because we really don't know what happens to grogu from uh from what we've seen in the series we've got we got a little bit of that filled in recently and I don't want to spoil that in case people haven't watched all of season three of Mando yet, but it's not the whole story. Um, and I would, it would make sense actually with the trauma and that sort of thing. If, if something did happen to him and he did end up in the fortress at some point, I, I, and then was freed from it at some point. Right. So, so who knows, maybe we'll see that in the yeah. future, but it could, it could really go either way. I mean, my vote is probably that they are perished and they're just somehow preserved in a very horrific kind of way. However, mm-hmm. if they are not, and that there is a way to kind of reanimate them or bring them back in some way, it'd be kind of interesting. Um, if they were, it could be a good kind of a way of calling back in the next show with Soka with uh, Ray Stevenson's yeah. character and his apprentice, you know, that could be a possible plot point that they came from the fortress inquisitorious and they were just, they just finally turned again, just another potential possibility of storytelling. But overall, I, I think that they're just, they're gone because I can't imagine that youngling coming back. <laughs> yeah. Um, personally, but yeah. I mean, it's also it's also a thing of like if they are in suspended animation and something and like the fortress wasn't absolutely destroyed in Fallen Order, right? Um, which actually, I mean, like, no. Timeline wise, that happens before this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, right. Because this is yeah. ten years. That's five years mm-hmm. after uh, after the the end of the Clone Wars. After Avengers I thought it was just like a bridge that went underwater with Vader. In uh, Fallen Order. 
But well, yeah, but there's also know. like during the fight and stuff, there like there's there's that chamber and whatnot that is like uh-huh. underneath the fortress. So, it, like I think when, as they fly away, I think that there are like explosions and stuff by the fortress. But um, it's been a little while since I've played all the way through Fallen Order, um, so I don't remember it exactly. But but I think so. But anyways, um, I don't know. It's it's one of those. I'm sure that somebody can look it up on Wikipedia and and let us know. But I I, I it's not that important to what we're talking about right now. No. Um, Riva catches up with with Tala, and there's the great scene of like. You know, like, what I th- I think you're a spy, and she's like, "Yeah, I am a spy." It's like, oh. of course I'm a spy, and she she does again. This is another, this is a callback to call forward, I guess, to the Last Jedi when when Kylo Ren is like in his mind thinking like, "Oh, I'm turning my lightsaber towards my enemy," so that Snoke is like reading his mind and not understanding that like you are his enemy, not Ray, right? Um, and he tricks yeah. him and it's a little bit of that sort of like uh it's a it's a anti-jedi mind trick this is one of those things where it's like i uh, jabba in return of the jedi is like oh your mind tricks won't work on me uh, oh they only work on the weak-minded um this is one of those places where it's like this is why a jedi mind trick wouldn't work on someone like tala is because tala has the ability in her own mind to sort of like bend the truth in order to serve her right like in order right. to 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 trick reva because reva's like i can't get a read on it you're definitely lying but i don't know if you're lying to me or for me right um and so like there's there's a lot of great tension there i meanwhile obi-wan we get the great scene where the lights are out in the interrogation room and I, yep. I, uh, uh, and then we just get just get it lighting up when Obi Wan ignites his lightsaber. Such a such a cool moment. He's almost like a monster from a horror movie <laughs> for a second. But uh, but it's great because like where the stormtroopers are like, what's going on? Leia is like, oh, I'm rescued. <laughs> um, but then they get spotted. The alarm goes off. Reva comes after them. But I uh, I. Uh, I don't know, like somehow or another, they end up in that one hallway and then he breaks. It's a very the... action heavy episode. So it's kind of hard to like really talk yeah. about the nuances and whatnot, but exactly. real fast uh, uh, before we move too far uh, forward, um, yeah. going back to that scene in the darkness uh, where it's like a horror movie. Um, so I wanted to talk about that scene very quickly because um, in the last like year or so when this came out um, personally, like as an editor, um, I, I there's there's sometimes I, I I like montages I like to edit montages and whatnot but like when it comes to like fan edits I'm not the biggest fan of them um, I like them for artistic uh, kind of uh, experimentation but I'm not really mm-hmm. the biggest fan of them so for like example the Star Wars scene 38 reimagined not a fan of it it completely misses the point uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about with lightsaber battles it's technically a better choreographed uh, but I wouldn't even say that because it's just so chaotic. It's um, fancier. It's fancier. It, yeah. I hate, yeah. I hate that. Like, because like you said, like it misses the point, right? Like it just absolutely misses the point of that fight between Obi-Wan and Vader. Exactly. Yeah. It's it, terrible. Um, but 
I did see one. <laughs> I did see a fan edit. Um, and uh, this had to have been a visual effects artist for sure. That, um, in my opinion, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. And I got to find, if I could find the uh, link, I will let everyone know before the episode's over. But there is an actual edit that I saw where it is, it's just as long as the scene needs to be. It's very quick. But the uh, fan uh, reanimated um, the stormtroopers to actually, um, and it's it's going to sound gro- slightly grotesque, but it's actually more in line with Obi-Wan during the Clone Wars and the way he took out battle droids. But there is some dismemberment because hmm. there is some moments in this scene and um, – and it's not for lack of, I mean, it's not that Disney's afraid of, you know, gore or whatnot. I mean, a stormtrooper just got cut in half by a gate, you know, this, uh, uh, an yeah. episode ago. So, um, but yeah, there was a couple of moments and, um, the fan, if, uh, if I find it, I'll, uh, you know, give him some credit, but phenomenal job. It's, it's subtle enough to where like, did that just happen? So like, there's, it actually just makes the lightsabers actually feel more like an actual lightsaber would where there's like, you know, like an arm that gets cut and then the head just goes flopped. And, and it, yeah. And it's, again, it's not grotesque. It's the helmet, you know, but it's just enough to be like, Whoa, that actually, I actually felt the lightsaber here. Cause there, it does kind of feel like a little bit of a yeah. luminous baseball bat in this scene. But uh, overall, I do love the way in the actual show, the way it's actually shown and the way it's uh, colored and um, lit so, and everything. But, yeah. So I, I saw I saw a take on on lightsabers a little while ago. I think it was on TikTok or something like that. Um, I can't remember, so I, I can't really credit it. But I, it, it it this really works for me. I like it a lot. Lightsabers visually are just like appear to just be a beam of light, right? And that beam, we think, because the lightsaber is circular, that the that the blade is circular as well that it's like a tube mm-hmm. of light right um but if you actually like pay attention to the way that lightsabers function in universe it actually would make a lot more sense and and when you look at the way that they look visually in the first movie you kind of get a little bit of a sense of this and i like that um that rebels kind of brought this back but not in exactly this way but that there's a there's like a like a regular sword. There's a flat edge and there's a cutting edge, right? And the difference between a fully trained Jedi who knows what they're doing with their lightsaber and someone like Luke picking up a lightsaber and never having really fought before is that like Vader, every slice is on point. He knows the direction of his lightsaber. He, uh, he, like, he understands it. He, like, he, even though he can't visually see it, he can sense it. He can feel it. He knows where the cutting edge is and he knows where the blunt is, blunt edge of it is. And so the blunt edge will do damage for sure. And it, like, it's corrosive or not corrosive, but like, um, uh, or like, I, I, I don't know, like, like, it'll, like, it'll, like, it's, it'll set something on fire. It's, it's definitely like score yeah like it's 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 still a plasma blade right like it's it is what it is but i i but but it'll also glance off of things like armor so the evidence to this the main piece of evidence to this in the original trilogy is in the fight between luke and vader vader is cutting through everything in that fight he slices everything clean through right whether it's the tubes or 
like the like like those posts on like the weather vane or like like the the gang way or whatever like everything that he cuts he cuts straight through luke lands a hit on vader's shoulder and it glances off of his shoulder right like it bounces like the lightsaber bounces off of his shoulder and it's at that point where vader stops toying with luke and gets serious right? right and chops his hand off um that shot along with what Luke does with his lightsaber in return of the Jedi when he's fighting guys. And it's like, he's not dismembering people, but he is hurting them. Right. And like, he is like, they are for all intents and purposes, probably dead. Right. But, but he's not going clean through them. The lightsaber is making contact and, and even without armor, it's not going through these like through flesh. Right. Because he has no idea what he's doing. He can barely deflect bolts with it against the the speeder bikes, right? Like, yeah. and he gets a lucky shot off when he cuts the 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 stabilizer off the front of it, sort of thing. Like, Luke has no idea what he's doing with his lightsaber. He's not trained, and I like I love that because it it makes a lot of sense. Because everybody else we see with a lightsaber over the course of the series knows what they're doing right so if i were making a star wars i would like canonize this this would this would be a thing that like i put straight up into it of like like you don't know like you clearly don't know what you're doing and it's like like a a a lightsaber like the dark saber then further reinforces that because it like it's almost like it's not that the dark saber is a different shape from other lightsabers. It's because the colors are inverted. It's because it's the dark saber. It's just very apparent that it's a flat blade. Right. And it is like the construction wise, it is built a little bit different from a, from a conventional lightsaber, but it's almost like um, the blade is because it's dark we can see the shape of it really clearly. Like we can see the shape of the actual blade. And then on top of that, it's almost like it's a, it's a fat chunky lightsaber blade anyways, because of the design of this, of the, the lightsaber. Right. But that like all lightsabers actually have this quality. We just can't tell because the brilliant white light of a standard lightsaber makes it really hard to see that the prequels did a cool thing that like the tip of the lightsaber became pointed, right? Like a, like a fencing foil this, but this is another one of those things that people don't know about swords is that a fencing foil is actually not like, like a foil for like, for like practice fencing is basically like a, like a car antenna, right? Like an old, like 1980s car antenna, right? right? Where it's like, it's a, it's a cylinder with a nub on the end of it, but an actual rapier blade, which is what a fencing foil is, is styled after is a cutting blade. It's a, like, it's a diamond, right? It's a diamond that comes to a point at the very tip. But it is sharpened to a point at the very tip. Like it's a, it has the same shape as a traditional sword. It's just very, very thin and, um, and tapered, like very tapered. So it's very, it's a lot, um, longer at the base than it is at the top. But so it all, like it comes to almost like a perfect point at the top. But it is cut. It is then cut like in in that same sort of diamond fashion that you would consider like a traditional like 
like long sword or, or, or short sword. Right. So like, I've always thought of like lightsabers are more like that, like, like a lightsaber, like when Obi-Wan says an elegant weapon for a more civilized age, Jedi lightsabers have this quality of like, they are, and the, the prequels then reinforce that of like, they're, they're pointed at the end. And it's like, it's at the end where they're not as where the light's not as brilliant and they're not as powerful that we start to actually see the, like the literal shape of it. Um, the best example of this is in revenge of the Sith. When Mace is pointing the lightsaber at Palpatine, we see it super clear that like it comes to a pointed end. So I look at it and I go like, that's how it is. Obi-Wan hasn't used his lightsaber in forever. He might be a little bit rusty with it at this point. Still, he hasn't fully reconnected with who he is. He's getting there. He's very close, but it's not until, um, not until the conversation at the beginning of the of the the last episode of the season that he really like that he becomes Obi Wan Kenobi again and that resolve comes back. Uh, but uh, right. we're close, right? So he does some cool stuff with his lightsaber, but also like I don't know. I like to think of maybe he's just a little bit rusty and he's kind of oh yeah, that's right. That's not that's not the angle on this on this blade. It's been a long time sort of thing, because yeah. that's the, that is one of those things that you would lose. You would lose that sense. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, it, it works in the sense because, too, I mean, the Clone Wars for years were against droids, battle droids and whatnot. You know, this is uh, actually humanoid um, people, you know, getting. uh yeah, you know that he's fighting against now, so it's uh, slightly different. That's not completely different, but slightly different. Um, and uh, I, while you were speaking, I uh, took the liberty to just to make sure if anyone wanted to check it out. The YouTuber, his name is Pixel Joker ninety five. <laughs> so okay. if uh, you want to check it out, just to see what, and it's literally it's a twenty seven second clip. So um, the only reason why I was bringing it up is because. It, thought since you know when it comes to action episodes it's kind of difficult to kind of talk about like okay well this happened and then this happened but i kind of thought that this would have been a perfect opportunity to kind of focus on something that delved into the action but also about uh, the quality of the lightsabers and everything so it worked out yeah i so eventually tala and obi-wan and leia all link back up and then they collapse the 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 one sort of bridge and the water comes rushing through whatever. It's a really great scene. But describing an action sequence in a podcast is such a waste of time. So we're not going to do that. Uh, it's cool, though. Super cool. Uh, <laughs> you guys have all seen it. You know it's super cool. Um, the sound design is fantastic in that scene, too. Yeah, I with the cracking of the glass. Yeah, oh, totally. So good. Um, they uh, At some point, they managed to like get a sort of disguise. I love this scene. This is so Star Wars to me when they're like just kind of trying to sort of walk out and Obi-Wan's got this big trench coat on and the hat and Leia is very clearly just like under the trench coat um, walking with them. And they're just trying to like fly casual, right? Um, <laughs> it's so good. People, And it almost the, works. If not for yeah. Reva, it would have worked. This is the one of the scenes though that I heard some pushback and it was like, really? Do you guys not understand star wars yeah exactly <laughs> this is so star wars this is yeah. so star wars it's just, uh the ridiculousness sorry, of this moment yeah this fits in perfectly with i uh, like it sitting in the cantina and this ridiculous music is playing and 
Obi-Wan cuts a dude's arm off. And mm-hmm. then like we just go back to business. Like, <laughs> like it's like, yep, that happened. And then later, Han just like murders Greedo. And then he's like, sorry about the mess, and tosses him a coin. And <laughs> and uh and and the music starts playing again. And it's just like like that's it's 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 silly it's very silly the whole thing is very silly but it's star wars it's it's not real i i hate that i have to say those words out loud to people but i do have to say those words out loud to people that like hey guys star wars is made up pretensies uh it's faking in space is the common phrase but i like to take it a step further and say like guys it's silly playtime like it like like these are action figures they are like the characters are archetypes they are heroes and villains white hats and black hats like it's it's everything is heightened the silly is also heightened from time to time and to be honest when it's not when it's not there it's not star wars it's not Star Wars. And like, this is what I go back to with Andor. Andor is a really great Blade Runner TV show that for some reason has a Star Wars skin painted onto it. Right? Like, it is not, it is not, it is Star Wars. I'm not saying that it's not Star Wars, but it lacks fundamental qualities of what, like, what is archetypically Star Wars. Which is fine. That's fine. It can be that way. Young Jedi Adventures is the other side of the spectrum, right? Or like the Lego Freemaker Adventures, which I love so much. Some of my favorite Star Wars stories in Lego Freemaker Adventures. But, it, you know, like it doesn't take itself seriously. It's Lego, blah, blah, blah. Right? Good. The best Star Wars is 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 very balanced on this stuff. And Obi-Wan balances it really well but every once in a while we got to get silly uh in in the last episode we had a talking mole rat who was an imperial sympathizer right like a very like grounded story point coming through (laughs) a giant mole rat man right like if you're taking this a hundred percent seriously there's something there is something wrong with you like go to therapy it's these are stories they're for fun and to learn something and then to take i saw a a, a video recently that somebody had shared i think maybe on twitter of george lucas talking about star wars and 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 saying like that's but the the, the point of the story is not like like don't like don't like it you can you can like it and you can study it and you can learn it but don't let it become everything the purpose is to watch the story to learn a thing and then to go out into the world and have your own adventures right that's the lesson is to not stay on the farm it's to go out into the galaxy and make it a better place and have your own adventures right and to me, it's like when people get caught up on things like that or they want to argue about, you know, 
that Star Destroyer is too small or uh, that's not the way that that weapon works or that's not the way that the Force works or that's not what Luke Skywalker would do. It's none of this is real, you guys. These are trappings to tell stories to make you a better person. That's why we tell stories, right? We tell these stories so that, you know, these heroes go on their journeys so that we can experience it through their stories. And then we don't have to put ourselves into mortal peril in order to learn these lessons, right? We can learn these lessons via these characters, become better people and go out into the world and make the world a better place without actually having to risk our lives fighting evil. Right. Like, like that's like, that's, that's the purpose. That's the reason why we have mythology and why we have uh, fairy tales and these types of stories, like literally, like literally that's why we have these types of stories is so that we can pass on information in a safe manner. And you don't have to go out and learn this stuff firsthand. You know, you don't, your father doesn't have to become Darth Vader and then you have to like fight him and get your hand chopped off in order to go through what Luke goes through. And that's the good stories. They take you there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like star Wars has all of that stuff, but then every once in a while, star Wars also wants to be silly. And I think that George built that in as that reminder. It's because uh, people will go, Oh, it takes me out of the story. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the point actually. Like congratulations, you you solved the riddle. It like when Luke walks into the cantina and they're like, "Hey, we don't serve their kind here. Your droids have to wait outside." It's like, "What? Wait, what? Droids aren't allowed in the bar." Okay, whatever, right? And then he looks around the bar and it's like, "Oh, there's a wolf man and there's a thing we're going to call it a hammerhead and i'm pretty sure those are little bat people getting drinks at the bar right and like well what's this guy he's like a spider walrus guy i don't know what's he supposed to be um and it's like it's all it's all very very silly and the band is these guys with these funny faces and they're playing these instruments and they're bopping around and the music is absolutely ridiculous Like, I love the Cantina song, right? Like, I love that song. But, like, let's all be real for one second. It's obnoxious as hell, right? (laughs) If you had to listen to that song on repeat for five hours, it would drive you insane. Um, But it's meant to be silly and take you out of it and remind you, like, oh, we're we are in another galaxy. Oh, this is a fairy tale, right? And if if you're then like, well, stop going back to the same example. Okay, let's go to the next movie that George Lucas made and the next ridiculous, wild thing that he decided. Obi-Wan says, you got to go to Dagobah. You got to learn the force from a Jedi master, the Jedi master who instructed me, Yoda. And Luke gets there and he's like, man, I got to find this Jedi master. I bet he's ripped. I bet he's shredded. I bet he's human. Right. And we're all sitting there going like, well, it's another Obi-Wan. He's sending him to another Obi-Wan was obviously trained by a better Obi-Wan. That's what he just said. Right. And then Luke gets there. R2 gets eaten by a dragon snake and spit out and it's everything's going wrong. And this little frogman with giant ears shows up and he's like, oh, your food is gross and I want to take your lamp. And he's (laughs) it is completely absurd and totally ridiculous 
and it and it and he's a puppet. He's a puppet, you guys. He's not a puppet. The he's muppet. a muppet because he is a muppet. Jim Henson, Frank Oz. He's a muppet, but he is not real. He is very obviously not real. But it doesn't matter because the story is true, right? And let's bring it back into indie. So the difference between fact and truth, right? The truth was that there was gold buried in, in the, the, uh, whatever. And the fact is that, that, you know, like it, like, no, this was just a regular burial, right? He makes that point in two movies. He makes it in two different movies. Again, George Lucas makes this point in two different movies, two different Indiana Jones movies, uh, both in, in Raiders when Indy's giving the lesson to, to his class. And then he reinforces it again in the last crusade about the, uh, uh, like, like the, the, the grail story and everything. Right. Learn these lessons, guys. George is being really, really clear with his storytelling and through Lawrence Kasdan even more so. Right. Um, like they want us to learn these things. Please learn these things. Truth and fact are different. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Yeah. Learn these things and have fun while doing it. You know, while while you're learning these archetypes and learning these lessons, you know, you can have Chewbacca yelling and swinging in the ropes like Tarzan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's silly. It's fun. Yeah. Like it's, it's silly, but it's silly, not for silly's sake. And I think like, that's one of the places where people, people get a little bit lost with star Wars. And when they go like, when you, talk to them about this and they go like well so it's just supposed to be silly sometimes like no it's supposed to be a fairy tale and fairy tales are not real we know that fairy tales aren't real that's what makes them fun right when somebody is telling you a fairy tale it's like well i've never seen a fairy but boy wouldn't it be neat if they existed right right like that's the thing and it's and if we go back to like greek myth it's like do we really really believe that every greek philosopher or like whatever in in that time that was talking about all of these these rational um philosophical things was then also like a a a big man with a beard lives at the top of that mountain and shoots lightning bolts at us when he's angry. And that's why we have thunderstorms. I don't think that they did. I think that there were like stories to let people know, like, you know, I mean like there was superstition and stuff and it was obviously because they didn't have science to back things up. There's a lot more like, Oh, the gods are angry and that's why they're doing this. we got to blame it on something. Right. Scapegoats. But but did they really believe that like that Zeus was sitting up on top of the clouds, hurling lightning bolts down at them? I don't know that they did, but it sure is a good story. And it's a great way to get that across. Right. And to say like, Hey, um, voyages by sea are dangerous because Poseidon is angry and he doesn't like it when we take our boats out into the ocean. And that's why this happens, which is really just the important part of that story is if you're going to go out to sea, do not take it lightly. It's very dangerous. That's the important part. And then Poseidon makes it an interesting story, right? An interesting story that I want to hear. And then I'll learn something from it instead of, you know, just being scolded and warned 
don't go into the ocean unprepared, right? Mm -hmm. That's the point. And that's what Star Wars is supposed to be doing too. That's what all of these modern mythologies, whether it's Star Wars or the MCU or DC or Fast and Furious, whatever it is, like pick your poison. It doesn't matter. Um, the, the point of them is that they are supposed to be teaching us these lessons without us actually having to learn the lessons firsthand, all of that. And then George really, really wants you guys to understand that this is a pretend fairy tale in space. It's not science fiction. This is not 2001. This is not us going, but what if, this is the way that things are, right? What if we got to this point and we had this type of space travel? That's not what we're talking about. A hyperdrive works the way that a hyperdrive needs to work when it needs to work that way. So if it makes sense that Woody from Cheers can go take a syringe and suck a little bit of magic juice out of the crystals and then inject it directly into the hyperdrive in order to make the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs, then that's what it is. You guys like stop trying to figure out star Wars. I'll take it even a step further. Don't even try and figure out star Trek. Cause that's not the point of that show either. Like that's not, if that's what you're doing, I just think that you're missing the forest for the trees on this stuff. Uh, and if you're and if you're upset because Obi Wan almost got Leia out of there by hiding her under a trench coat, then you really, really watched this episode wrong because that's not what this episode was about. You know, um, well done bringing home. <laughs> yeah, they get they get they almost get away. Reva shows up and is like, "Ah, oh, Obi Wan, you thought you could get away." Uh, uh, and she's very Reva about the whole thing. And, uh, but then the T 47s come whipping in, which got, got referenced earlier. And I love it because it's like, we do, they're not called snow speeders in universe. They are T 47s. Right. And I, 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 such a great moment. It's such a great moment when the T 47s come in. Cause I, Dude, I love snow speeders so much. The design is, for my money, like top three, top three uh, uh, original trilogy uh, ship designs. Um, it's like we all know the X wing is number one. You guys, we all know it. I uh, but the yeah the 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 T forty seven airspeeder adapted for the cold, uh, otherwise known as the snow speeder, is such a great design, and. Um, we've only really ever gotten to see them in empire strikes back and the technology was limited at the time and gets it across. They're awesome in empire. Right. Uh, okay. but seeing one like whip in the way that they do and sort of like hover, uh, in the way that they do just so great. So great. I, so they, they, I, I, I can't remember the other character's name. I remember Wade cause he dies. Uh, Sully. Is that the other Perhaps yeah. I, I wrote down Wade because I have something to say about him, but uh, yeah, yeah. And those um, about the T 47 the sound effects that the sound of those snow speeders or the, yeah, they're fantastic. I just wanted to make sure that we mentioned that because yeah, it's so nostalgic, of, right? It's so nostalgic. It's probably one of my favorite uh, ship sounds um, next to the uh, slave one or the fire spray is what we're supposed to call it now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, great sound design. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Obi-Wan, Tala, and Leia get in, in my, in, uh, sorry, Maya is the name of the actress, Sully's, uh, T-47 and starts to take off. I, I, but Wade comes in, sort of cover them. Um, and then when he tries to make his escape, Reva chucks a box at his airspeeder and it goes down. It crashes. R.I.P. Wade. I, I, but, you know, he had to, to save the day. Uh, so that our heroes could get away. Uh, and then we're sad on the ship. And then the episode's done. No, then not the episode's done. Then Vader is like, "You, I told you what would happen if you failed me. And then uh, Reva's like, I didn't fail you. There's, I put a tracker on them. They're going to lead us right to the path. And then Vader's like, oh, maybe I underestimated you. He says he says a bunch of very Vader stuff. It's, the lines are so well written. Um, and then we get the reveal that it is Lola. Lola is the, is the tracker. Uh, and she's going to lead the Empire right to the path. Uh, in the next episode, I'm it's uh, so much suspense. How about that Leia and Kenobi end moment where they just look at each other and they hold her hand, and um, that's one of my favorite Vivian Leia Blair moments of the show. It's just there's no dialogue; it's just um, her, yeah. just her calmness, her stillness in that moment is purely just perfection in that scene. Um, but uh, yeah, that's I mean, overall, that's the the episode um this is the shortest episode of the uh series um mm-hmm. this is the one that i definitely felt the that could have been uh longer personally um just like little moments like i wanted to get to know wade more like i didn't it was very evident this last time uh watching it that when they had that sad moment on the ship where i mean i get it he, he died um I wanted to know maybe more about him. I mean, there's a part of me that I would love to have seen a little bit more of the path um, before we go into the fortress. Um, I, I kind of missed, uh, and it could have been a, a 30 second scene, but uh, if there was a moment where he got out of that tank and actually like picked, like actively picked or chose um, Jedi robes, that, that would have uh, landed mm. with me a little bit more because he does kind of pop in with like, Oh, there he, that's Kenobi right there, you know, in that moment. And it took me, um, not took me out of it, but uh, it was definitely one of those moments where like, I, I wish that there was a, there, there's certain moments in shows and films that garner um, kind of a, a moment to like, of like an entrance or something. And that could have been a moment where we could have just taken pause for just a, a second to like acknowledge, like, he's actually actively choosing to like walk down this path and you could have done that visually. Uh, no dialogue didn't need to be, but uh, I don't know. What'd you think? Did you, would you want more out of this episode uh, in terms of just of length for not, not just for length purposes, but you know, for story, for character to kind of like land these moments home. Like uh, even with Roken, you know, that, that, that quick 180 that we kind of talked about earlier. Uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think in the overall pace of the show, it's fine. Um, it's it is very action heavy. It's maybe like the most action heavy episode. Um, like sort of but so much, from but like so much happens end. though. Yeah, because so, yeah, so much happens. You know, it, yeah, it establishes that not only is Leia captured, but we have to also have these um, interrogation moments all the while 
uh, mm-hmm. Tala and Obi-Wan actually not only get to the fortress, but try to find Leia, get Leia, get her out of there, and then establish that uh, the rebels are actually, or the, the members of the path are going to save them and then actually care about the character that, that's a lot to pack into 30 some odd minutes. Yeah, I it uh, I don't know for it it works for me it works fine for me. Um, I mean like I would always want more. That's why I like the comic. I'm like okay, cool. If it's gonna give us more, then then I'm down for it. Um, totally. And it's Obi Wan. You give me more Obi Wan, I'm gonna be happy. But I, uh, but I don't know. I I didn't bother me. Um, okay. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, overall, um, can't wait to talk about the next uh, two episodes because this is when we're starting to wrap things up and oh um, yeah now it's yeah now it's like serious business right these last two episodes are gonna be a little crazy so yeah um awesome uh i think well like we did it we we made it through the episode it is very late now as we are recording this so it's time to wrap it up uh thank you guys for listening uh thank you marty for joining me as always uh, and, uh, yeah, I hope that everybody's enjoying our Obi-Wan retrospective. I know that I am enjoying going back through the series, uh, just, you know, uh, revisiting it and, uh, uh, and, and enjoying it again, um, for, you know, a, 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 I don't even remember how a third or fourth time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, we'll be back next week with, uh, with part five and, uh, and then the following with, with week with part six and then we'll, we'll be done. That's it. We're all, we're, we're more than halfway through our, our journey back into Obi-Wan. Uh, th- again, thank you guys for listening and we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. Thank you for listening to Thunderquack force perspectives. Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.